today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Number one, when you come into Christ, you get a brand new family, don't you? Okay, but we're not all winners either, are we? But there's a lot of grace and mercy hopefully shown in this family. And you know what? God's not through in the reconciliation business. God's not finished in the redemption business. So for your family members that are still alive, that don't know Christ, keep praying for them. Because if God can save a rascal like you, he can save to the uttermost all mankind if they come by faith to him. Pastor David is going through the genealogy of Jesus and highlighting the great works of God in people's story. If you trace back to Noah, all humanity is connected through the bloodline of Jesus. And we all share the same need to be reconciled with God the Father. However, that's only possible through the blood of Jesus. Through his sacrifice, you can literally become part of Jesus' family. If you're having a hard time with your earthly family, God wants to continue to redeem and reconcile humanity, so pray for them. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Matthew chapter 1 with today's edition of The Open Word. God brought conviction to David. Now, a lesser man would have just rebuffed the words of Nathan the prophet when Nathan came in. As a matter of fact, as king, he could have said, I'll have your head, you know, before the sun falls tonight. He could have done that. But when the convicting words of Nathan the prophet came to the very spirit and soul of David, David's heart was broken before man and before God. He had had an illicit relationship with another man's wife. She became pregnant. And so to get him out of the situation, he actually killed her husband to cover up his own sin. And yet, as the word of God declares, be certain your sin will find you out. When your sin is found out, though, here's where the question comes in. How do you respond? How do you respond when, when suddenly the, the reality of your character suddenly shines through or the, the, the actions, the attitudes suddenly, suddenly break through, through? Man, it might have been a point of weakness, but bam, suddenly it's there. And somebody says, man, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you were one of those that professed to be a believer. And the attitude or the action or the words come through. Fortunately for David, he confessed his sin. And we see that really he was, he was truly heartbroken because of it. Those of you that have raised children, you know the difference between confession and heartbrokenness. 
you know, somebody says, hey, wasn't that you? And the kid has crumbs all over his face. Wasn't that you that took those cookies? No, not me, not me. Then where all those crumbs come from? Okay, I did it. But there's no sorrow. The sorrow comes when a heart is actually broken. Some children are very tender that way. You, You... point to their wrong and they're broken because of it. And others stand in, in stark, you know, just, just oh, no, I'm, I'm, you're not going to break me. If you have more than one child, you've probably seen both of those things. For David, he was heartbroken. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is actually the testament of the brokenness of David and his hunger for renewed relationship with God. I believe it's verse five where in, in chapter 51 of Psalm where he says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. See, David was tormented with his guilt. And then he goes against you as he's crying out to God, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Now, now you, sometimes we, we say, well, wait a minute, what do you mean? Only against God. Uh, Uriah the Hittite, he's dead. Bathsheba was taken advantage of by his power and by his authority and bore a child because of it. What do you mean he's only sinned against God? If you understand the reality of what sin really is, what I do to you is simply a, a, a symptom or a consequence of my sin against God. It's when I sin against God that I treat you horribly. It's in my sin against God that my own ego flares up and I want my own way. It's in my sin against God that, that we mistreat those that are around us. David understood the reason that he did what he did against Uriah and against Bathsheba was because his heart wasn't right with God. You and I, we cannot have a right relationship on the horizontal plane unless we have a right relationship with God on the vertical plane. We can try to be nice to each other. We can make every effort that we can in our own flesh. But if we're not walking in the spirit, if our relationship with God is not right, guess what? I'm gonna tick you off sometime and you're gonna irritate the heck out of me at times. And, and we're, we're just not gonna have any room for each other. And there's no sweetness of fellowship because there's nothing that really binds us together. The thing that binds us together is the spirit of God. And it's when we are in right relationship with God that then our relationship with others, we know that's true in husband and wife relationships. Amen? Yeah, amen, amen, yeah. Don't, don't go there, pastor, not tonight, not tonight says, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Now, he's not using that as an excuse. He's just saying, you know what? I'm I'm just a sinner all over. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. That's not just what people see. That's what you know to be true when no one else is looking. He goes on down and says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. 
make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Uh, did God break any of David's bones in the midst of this? No, no. But that's just the feeling that he's experiencing. He's just broken because of this. He says, uh, hide your face from my sins, blot out all my iniquities, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. One that's going to keep track and keep the pace and keep on level, that steadfast spirit. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. Then, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. God did forgive David. God gave David another chance. That baby died. That baby that Bathsheba was carrying did die. But in God's forgiveness, David actually bore four other sons through Bathsheba. Shemiah, Shobab, Nathan, and Solomon. These four by Bathsheba, the daughter of Amiel. First Chronicles tells us that. Well, it was through Solomon that we then find Matthew's genealogy of Jesus, of Joseph's lineage. Again, the legal guardian of Jesus. Yet it was Nathan, another son of David and Bathsheba, that again came the lineage of Christ through Mary. So as the son of Bathsheba, it was through Nathan that the Savior was born. Our God, everything we see in this, our God is a God of reconciliation. Our, our God, we, we see it all through his plan. He is a God of redemption. He shows it to us all throughout his, his creation. We see it even in the lineage of Jesus. His lineage, the very lineage of our Savior is the testimony of reconciliation and redemption. His very family line. And how amazing is that? Our God can take our messes. He can resurrect them for his glory. What seems to be death in the sight of this world is actually life in the arms of Jesus and in, in the presence and for the purposes of God. When we look at our lineage, you and I, we might come from kings and princes or good stock and civic leaders, we might be able to declare a, a, a godly heritage that went before us, yet each one of us, we have to stand in our own right and none of us have anything to boast about, do we? I don't care how good the lineage was before us. I don't care how good our lives have been. None of us have anything to boast about. Even the Apostle Paul, with all of his degrees, with all of his pedigrees, he, he, he tells us in Philippians chapter three, he says, though I might have some confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he might have confidence in the flesh, I, I more so. Man, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. That meant he kept every jot and tittle, everything. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless on the outside. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. 
And yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. If anybody had a lineage that he could be proud of, it had been the Apostle Paul. Paul says, man, that's nothing. I am nothing. And when we look at a lineage like Christ had, we understand, you know what? God can use anyone. And so we have nothing to boast about. That listing that Matthew gives us, like I say, it's not complete. He generalizes and he skips, but primarily it covers the timeline from Abraham to David and then David to the exile and from the exile to the birth of Jesus. And all along that, listing 14 generations each in those three different sections, he gives enough of the legal claim for Messiahship to Jesus. He had the rightful claim, Jesus had the rightful claim as a descendant of David to be the Messiah, and Matthew's genealogy gives evidence for that, at least under Joseph's lead and head. Now, when we look at the third chapter of the book of Luke, turn over there with me if you would. In Luke chapter 3, down in verse 23 is where it begins. Luke begins it by saying in verse 23, now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mattat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janna, the son of Joseph, the son of Mattathai, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Elsie. Does anybody else want to read this for me? Uh, the son of Math, the, the son of Mattathai, the son of Shemi, the son of Joseph, the son of Judah, the son of Jonas, the son of Resha, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, the son of Neri, the son of Milkai, the son of Adi, the son of Gosam, the son of Elmodam, the son of Ur, the son of Josie or Jose, the son of Eleazar, the son of Joram, the son of Mathet, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonan, the son of Elikim, the son of Meli, the son of Menan. Are you sure there's nobody that wants to read this? Okay. The son of Mathet, the son of Nathan, the son of David who was the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Nashon, the son of Aminadab, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, who was the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, who was the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Sarag, the son of Reu, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxed, the son of Shem, the son of Noah. Okay, so out of Shem's birth line. The son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahaliel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. One of the first things that we see here is that Jesus begins his ministry about the age of 30. 
Now, that was the age that actually the Jews allowed someone to be called a rabbi. You had to be at least 30 years of age. One of the things, too, we find in Genesis that Joseph was about 30 years of age when he came into Pharaoh's court after all that Joseph went through in his life, being sold by his brothers, being in prison, being accused of molesting Potiphar's uh, wife and, and all these things. Finally, when he gets into the court of Pharaoh, he's about 30 years of age. Did you know that David was 30 years of age when he actually became king of Israel? It was Ezekiel's 30th year when the Lord began showing him the visions that we find in the book of Ezekiel. And 30 years old was the youngest you could be to serve as a priest in either the tabernacle or the temple. Jesus began his ministry right on time, right on time. Luke's list actually gives us 76 names from Jesus to Adam, the son of God. Uh, I believe that in doing so, he ties the, the heavenly son of God directly to the earthly sons of God. Adam, the son of God. And again, bringing those two together. We see in the comparison of Luke's names with uh, those of Matthew, again, as I shared before, several differences, some similarities. A couple of places, the list kind of converge with the same people, only to split apart again with differing lines. Once again, Matthew is tracing a royal bloodline, uh, while Luke is simply tracing the true bloodline of Mary. Matthew's list is a what you might consider a king's list. But what's the main significance of Luke's list for Mary? Some have suggested that Luke traced Mary's line. He also brought it through the kingly line of David, thus kind of giving a dual connection with the royal bloodline for the child Jesus, qualifying him actually through both his mother, Mary, as well as Joseph, his legal guardian or his father. Luke brought it all the way back to Noah and to Adam. And in doing that, he's connecting all of humanity. Catch this. All of humanity is connected with the bloodline of Jesus. Do you realize that? From Noah and his sons came all of humanity. And if that's not enough, go all the way back to Adam. And through that, so all of humanity is connected in that bloodline. Every tongue, every tribe, every ethnicity, every people group, through all of us flow that common blood. And with that common blood, there comes a common call to all men everywhere to be reconciled to God through that spotless, sinless blood of our elder brother, Jesus Christ, who became a sacrifice for us all because all humanity has sinned and is in need of a savior. I love what Hebrews tells us about that brother relationship with Christ. Hebrews chapter two, if you could turn in your Bibles there. Hebrews two, down in verse nine of Hebrews chapter two, verse nine. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. 
for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Down in verse 17. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. That's the incarnation. That's the nativity of Christ, to be made like his brethren. That he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation or a full and complete payment for the sins of the people. For in that he himself, has suffered being tempted. He is able to aid those who are tempted. And then right into chapter three. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. In Christ, we have that opportunity of not just being of the same blood, but being literally of now of the same family, that heavenly family, through the sacrifice of Christ. We are, through the sacrifice of Christ, his brothers, his sisters. In blood, we are related all the way back to Noah, all the way back to Adam. And so in Matthew and in Luke's genealogy, We see both the the legal and the logistical way that God filled the reality of what the apostle John tells us in the opening passages of his gospel account. John 1, very familiar passage. Not 1 John, but John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, you know it, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Then we drop down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Next time you think that you've got a tough family life or that your family is, man, you, you just want to kind of forget them. Can I, can I start brand new? Well, number one, when you come into Christ, you get a brand new family, don't you? Okay, but we're not all winners either, are we? <laughs> but there's a lot of grace and mercy hopefully shown in this family. And you know what? God's not through in the reconciliation business. God's not finished in the redemption business. So for your family members that are still alive, that don't know Christ, keep praying for them. Because if God can save a rascal like you, he can save to the uttermost all mankind if they come by faith to him.
are so glad you took the time today to spend with us here on The Open Word. We also hope you find joy and peace this holiday season and that Jesus is in the forefront of your mind. Is there anything we can be praying about with you or any exciting things God's doing in your life that we can rejoice with you over? If so, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We're honored to pray for our listeners. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Pastor David's here to tell you how that's possible. Hey, thanks, Chris. Not only can you find our Christmas messages, but all the messages that you've enjoyed and any that you've missed here on The Open Word, they're available on our website. Just visit theopenword.com and click on Teachings. You can scroll through the archive and listen online. You can download the teachings to take with you on the go. I've even provided my notes if you'd like to read along. You might see something new your ears may have missed. Hey, feel free to share any of my teachings if you feel it would be a benefit to friend or family members. That website, one more time, is theopenword.com. I pray your Christmas season is filled with the presence of Jesus, allowing you to look forward to a wonderful new year in Christ. We'd love to meet you in person. If you're in the area, come join us for our services at Calvary Casa Grande. We meet Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. You'll find all the information you need at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Join us next time to continue digging into the Word of God right here on The Open Word. Merry Christmas. Make us more.